Welcome to another day four. Number 82 <laughs> with a man. We are Frank Stavish. Is it 82 or is it 83? That would have been a helpful thing for me to check before we went live, wouldn't it? It would have been. But so let's just say we're somewhere in the low 80s. <laughs> I, can, I can do this real quick and figure it out. That's a good thing when we're in the 80s. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. It is day four number 82. Because remember last week we did, or you did, a floating vegetation manifesto. That was a good show last week. I got a yeah. lot of good positive feedback from that show. One of the most, well, they're all educational, but as far as just a a overview educational to where you can look at any type of, of floating vegetation that you see, identify it, and figure out the best way to attack it, day four, number 81, is one that you might want to listen to twice, or if you haven't caught it, go back and watch Please, slash watch listen it. to it. Good stuff from last week, Frank. Right, so I got my River Monster shirt on today. <laughs> what is that from? You know how he always wears those shirts that have like 5,000 moth holes in them? Yeah, yeah. They're just scrubby. I, I'm painting, so I just I wear crappy stuff when I paint so I don't ruin it. And um, not painting the house, painting lures. <laughs> oh, okay. Because I just, I painted, oh, actually, the girlfriend painted the bathroom yesterday. Money. And did it in everything. like an hour and a half with not a single drop of paint anywhere. And I did not even know it was happening. She goes, hey, you can bring a stepladder in. She was over at the house and boom. Next thing you know, there you go. painted. Perfect. So Perfect. Clean got, and neat. Well, you were in the middle of a, a story about going fishing yesterday. And then I went, holy cow, it's time for day four, number 82. And I cut you off. But yeah. you actually were able to get out on the water yesterday. Yeah, I actually got out on the water and and um for f- probably second time in 2 weeks and uh boats running so good at 1500 rpms to 6000 but at 1100 rpms I'm getting this it goes at 1100 rpms. What is 1100 just a slow idle? It's a slow idle. Like if you were graphing something and you just put your foot on the throttle a little bit so you could, you know, idle around the brakes and stuff. And it's it's giving me this weird help me. If anyone from Mercury is watching this show, please call me. And my phone number is not I wouldn't do my phone number. Yeah, it, it literally at the minute the I watch the RPMs, it gets up to a thousand, and then as soon as I give it a little little bit more it goes this is a nightmare yeah and then but it runs fine otherwise starts out fine everything runs like a top top the minute minute you turn the key fires right up if i jump on the throttle that thing is on plane and like a missile 1100 rpms which i spend a lot of time between 1100 and 1200 rpms idling around stuff and so it's the most I'm losing my mind with this thing right now. Well, at least you're on the water, and at least you're yeah, yeah, you're oh, rolling. Yeah. Oh yeah, it feels so. I gotta be honest, man. It just I, I, I felt like a new person. I mean, you know, up at four, out the door. Were you filming? Yeah, we were filming. Mm-hmm. Did you yeah. get good stuff for lure? Yeah, it? yeah, we got a really good show. Um, we're do. I'm actually doing late summer transition stuff um 
We've got a really good show. I broke it down um, really simplistically. I showed them how to start to look for these transitional fish. Because, you know, this time of year, dude, it's it's not the easiest time of year to fish. Um, it's just not. Fish are, fish are transitioning. They're starting to move. All the bait fish is starting to move. The bass are starting to move. While you'll have some bass still offshore, you're going to have bass moving towards nearshore structure, maybe not on the bank necessarily, but then you will have some fish on the bank because it depends and it's all predicated on the bait fish movement mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So it's a really tough time to pinpoint numbers of fish. Now, when you do find them now, usually they're stacked up pretty good, but it's needle in the haystack stuff. This, yeah. this, this transition once, you know, once that fall comes into play, then they start, you, you can just dial right in on it and just roll. So when let's set, kind of set the table for what we're going to talk about today. You mentioned it right there. That was a fantastic mm -hmm. tradition transition. We could make it a tradition <laughs> if you wanted to. It's a fantastic transition uh, because I, I ran this idea past you because I experienced this last week. I went out to a body of water. I know they live in there. I know biggins live in there. Uh, have not been out there in a long time. And I got one bite in seven hours. Perfect. And, <laughs> you know, I was with a buddy, and he's like, ah, man, it's a tough time of the year. Don't hey, feel bad about it. And I'm like, yeah, but I should have. And I got off the water and, you know, you, I had a, I had a little bit of a drive and I started reflecting on the day and I was like, man, I, I, you know, I did a bunch of different stuff. I, I cranked, I threw a big worm, I threw a swim bait, I drop shotted, I tried to use forward facing sonar, I graphed, I did a bunch of different stuff, but right. I did it. And it seemed at the end of the day, like I never really gave anything a real shot. It was just haphazardly here right. and there and over there. And I was like, what did I really accomplish at the end of that day, and if I wasn't going to catch him, wouldn't shouldn't I have had a a game plan to try to locate him instead Absolutely. of just? I felt like a I felt like I was a, a a football team on the field, and you just don't have any plays. You just hike the ball, and whatever happens happens, which is not a good feeling, right? <laughs> now, sometimes some time oh, of the year, that's nasty. fantastic. You can go out, you can catch him doing whatever yeah. you want. This is not one of those times this of the year in, in Oklahoma. So I said, Frank, I said, I think this would be a great a great opportunity because I, I mean, everyone loves the smash them, wreck them, crush them stories, but that's so what, a reality for a lot of people. Oh yeah. And it's a reality for me. me. So what you're saying is we're actually going to have a crappy fishing show today. Yeah. We're going to have a show <laughs> on, not, on when they are not going, what is your approach? What is a system that, that we can take as anglers and systematically take a, a different types or bodies of water and say, hey, you can start here. So even by the end of the day, you know, hey, mm -hmm. I worked my way through this system to at least give myself a chance to find these fish instead right. of it just being a needle in a haystack. Right. I, you know what? I love it because I, I often encounter that. Um, what happens is, um, especially if you go out with a preconceived idea of what's going on in the lake, um, at this time of year, especially it could ruin you because unless you're actually physically on the water, you don't really know because there's, this is a transitional time of year. And, um, so there's a lot of stuff going on, but, um, I think you hit the nail on the head, Matt, it, if you don't have a systematic approach, you're randomly everywhere. And if you're randomly everywhere, you're not figuring anything out. 
Um, and that's where the problem is. You know, a lot of guys, there's a lot of guys that, that they'll start to scramble. So they do, oh, I better do this or no, I better do that. Or I better do this or I better do that. And they're, and they're, I know a place they run to it. Oh, I got to do something different, but I know a place and they leave there and they run to it. And so what happens is you're driving over fishable water that could give you the clue to what you need for that day. And, and so what I, I mean, should we just get into it or what? Yeah. It's day four with uncle Frank, man. I mean, I guess we're, I guess we're into it. So Uh, well, let's set the premise on where you want to do it. Are we talking a Northern, a Midwest, a Southern fishery? Are there things that you can do on a body of fishery that's applicable coast to coast Canada to Mexico? This is applicable all over the world. Okay. It's just how you do things. It's just, you know, Frankie's fishing the Michigan BFL, so he's on water he's never seen before, okay? I told him one thing. Um, put your time in because because t- time is going to be your best friend right now because you have to have a you have to have a game plan on practice. So what you have to do basically is you go out there and you say, I'm going to check from this depth range to this depth range. Then I'm going to go from this depth range to that depth range. And you're going to do it systematically. So you'll take one day and you might target a certain depth range. And and if you're, if you're having success, then you're probably in the right depth range. If it's random and you catch one or two here, one or two there, you either a got to go deeper or B shallower. You know what I mean? So, but you can't do it all in one day. I mean, you, you, you can't, you can on a certain level, but, but you really can't. And so, so consequently he's been doing really good. He's been having great practice days. He's been learning a lot. I'm really proud of the kid. And, and so that's kind of where it's going. Okay. Same principle though. You have to have a rhyme and a reason for what you do. Okay. So for example, um, well, I don't want to give that example right now because I want to do that whole in a show later. Um, but I, okay, whatever. You can tease I'll, it. I'll do it. So, so here's here's an example. Okay, when I'm offshore fishing, let me see. Do I got anything here? I got everything. Illustrations, everything. When I'm just offshore, an entire packet of illustrations. I just have stuff, dude. I have so much crap. It isn't funny. I don't even know what I got half the time. I'm just looking for an old map. This isn't going to work. But when I'm offshore, I take the same approach. Okay. I pick I pick an area just like we did in that offshore show uh, that we did last uh, a while ago, and I'll take an area that has the most of as much in it as I can find. Well, so you're here. taking a you're taking a slice. Uh, uh, like a slice of the lake that you feel has everything in it. So you're not right. just picking like one shallow cove or one. If if you're on a smaller lake, you're going to say, this is a diverse ecosystem in here. Right, exactly. So basically, okay. so what I'm doing is I'm taking a section of the lake that has the most. Oh, man. I have That won't many... work either. No, I have too much stuff. Hold on a second. It's all I, good. We got as much time as you want. Yeah, but I don't want to waste it feathering through maps. Yeah, so sure. anyway, so what I'll do is I'll take. I'm just impressed you have that many maps. I don't. I think I have. Well, one because eight. 
because of all the shows that we I do. Know. I just, you know, I, I, I just have a lot of stuff accumulated here. Can I look it up? What are we looking up here? Well, I'm just looking for a map. I had a map that had every piece of offshore structure you could possibly want to fish on it. And we did it. We did. I showed it in a show that we did. Oh, okay. And I don't oh, know. I remember that. That was, was that the one that had the flats, the yes. creek channel, the oh, docks, yeah. the standing 100%. timber, 100%. the drop. Okay. So we're going to do it without that, man. That's fine. So anyway, so so what I did was I'll take a section of the lake that has the most of everything I want to fish. So for for example, and it'll be a small section of the lake. It'll just be a small section of the lake and it might have it'll have at least something of everything. And so then I can I can not randomly, but I can actually um fish my way from out to in because it's a lot easier Look, it's a lot easier to fish out and in than it is to fish in and out because what happens is you start to get you get caught up in the minutia of fishing shallower stuff because there's a lot there's a lot more things shallower. You've got, you know, you could have blowdowns, stumps, rocks, grass, you can have a million things. The deeper you go, you start eliminating. You eliminate oh. the grass at a certain point. Their grass won't grow anymore. Once you get deep enough offshore, there might be stumps, but most likely it's going to be hard bottom and rock, maybe standing trees, if you remember the standing tree yep. show we did. So I start out and work my way in. That's when I have no clue of where these fish are at or what's going on, okay? Um, and, then I, and then as I go in, you're going to start to contact some fish. So once I start to get bit, I'll go like this, and I'll just use this as an example. It's not the best of what I want, but it's close enough. Okay, so I'll use this as an example. So if you if you look, whoa, if you look here, this is yep. out. This is so totally, you're starting out there, right? This is 100% main lake stuff. It's off the bank. It's not connected. Even mm -hmm. though you'll go, oh look, it's connected. This is a deep groove so really this is not connected to the main lake the main land i'm sorry the main yep. land okay where this one is an offshoot of the a main lake point okay even though it's got a tiny trough in it it's still fairly main lake it's closer to shore this is way out yeah on this particular lake this is way out in the middle of the lake this we're talking you know a quarter of a mile you know what i mean mm-hmm so when you see that, so I'll start out here. I'll start looking. So let's say I'm fishing and I'm working my way around and I'm not catching anything. I go all the way down here and then all of a sudden, boom, I start getting bit right here, right? So I'm, I said, okay, these fish are way closer to the shoreline. They're way closer to the bank than I thought they were. So now if I got bit here, okay, I'm going over here and over here and over here. Oh, can you see that? Over yep. here, over here, and over to, here. A little bit the other way. There you go. Yeah, oh, because that's yeah. Similar, yeah, to yeah, the, yeah, yeah. similar to the opposite side. Right, so it, so it's off. it's similar to there. This is similar. So so what I'm doing is now I'm picking up on the similarities. So then I can start to translate that throughout the lake. But let's say, you know, let's say that I'm, you know, that I'm not catching fish on the traditional, I'm not catching fish on the traditional stuff. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's say that 
Well, let's just say that I fish all that out and I don't get bit on any of it. Right. Okay. Now I'm thinking they're on the bank. The fish are on the bank. At this point, there's no doubt in my mind, the fish are between zero and eight feet. And so then what I do is then I'll look at a part of the lake that gives me the most flats and offshore stuff very close to good bank-related stuff because the bigger the flats, the more the bass, okay? So even offshore, like a flat could be 25, 30 feet deep. So what you're going to do is you're going to put yourself in a place that has the most bass movement. Like here, for example, if we're talking about, let's say we're talking about, um, I'll, I'll just go way off season here. Let's say we're talking about spring, early spring, okay? If the bass are not post-spawn yet, it's just early spring. They're staging up. You all know that they're going to be on secondary points, partially main lake related, beginning of big giant creek mouse related, right? So if you run all the way up in the back of the flattest part of the lake where the water's five feet deep for three miles, you're probably not putting yourself in the best place to catch fish. You could find a place back there that has fish, but that's needle in the haystack. But if you put yourself around a place that has a lot of secondary points relatively close to the main lake, now you're talking about an area that's going to have more fish in them. So everything you do, you look for places that are going to give you the best opportunity to be around the most fish possible, even when you're struggling. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the most important thing when you're struggling. So this time of year, since you brought up this time of year, right? it's kind of a late summer transition period. Bait fish are starting to bunch up. We talked about that in a previous show. Bait fish are starting to bunch up. They're going to start making their fall migration. The bass are starting to follow the bait. So these bass are co- from being way offshore are starting to bring, co- get closer and closer to the to the bank. They may not even be on the bank yet or bank-related structure yet. But Which is what both- makes them hard to find. Correct. To get on the lake like, like I did. Like I got on the lake like 99% of our listeners did. Hey. I got a day. I haven't been out here. I don't know what to expect. I'm dumping the boat. Correct. Exactly. So so you, you they could be in a myriad of different places. Right. This is one of the toughest times of the year to fish, actually. And to be honest with you, the funniest thing is this is what people experience at the post-spawn, the end of the post-spawn when they're like, oh, I caught one on this and one on that and one over here and one same over there. It's the same damn thing, only it's coming out. Where these fish are coming in, those fish are coming out. It's the same thing. So here, if it's the similar scenario, then you treat it like the end of the post-spawn period. And you look for the similar type of stuff that you would look for at the end of the spawn, the post, the end of the post spawn period, the end of, before they get out. All right. So let's bring like three shows together here. 
you've okay. talked about, and one of the things that I think is cool, and you have had a diagram on that, is if you're starting out, which you said you want to start out and work your way in, so you are eliminating water and giving your your you're narrowing it down instead of expanding. Correct. If you work in to out, now the more you work out, the more water you have out. So you start out. So we're based on your previous shows. This is what I should have done this week that I did Correct. not do. I should have noticed. Is there a thermocline still on this lake now? Uh, where is mo- what is the depth that most of the bait fish that I'm seeing are in in this lake? Yes. Instead of just immediately dropping the trolling motor and saying, "Oh, let's just start flipping this wood by the ramp," I should have given myself some time to get Correct. used to what I was seeing. So then, my starting out to in, which is what you talked about this time of year. This, this that's what I'm talking about this time of year because this is where this is where I suck, where I can't just go to lakes and catch fish like you can other times of the year. I'm I'm going to start fishing where the structure, like if I'm seeing bait fish suspended as idling out in 18 foot of water, right? You're going. I'm right going to there. try to yeah. find 18 foot of water, regardless. I'm I'm going to look for an area of the lake that's not just a random area, but I'm going to look. This this section of the lake has a bunch of stuff. There could be a cove behind it. It could be a, a pinch point, whatever. And I'm going to start in 18 foot of water where I saw that bait and see if I can fish some structure in 18 foot of water. You're going to find structure that tops out at 18. That tops out at 18 foot away. You might be at 30, but you're looking for structure that tops out where the bait fish are. And this lake had a lot of timber in it, so I should have started fishing on those because there were balls of bait, but I was not paying attention to how deep they are. So now I've already got a starting spot, Mm -hmm. a starting point on that. Correct, correct. So then... I, I can target that. Now, how long are you staying with that until you... Now, are you running through your your DD-22s, your uh, big worm, your that type of stuff, your traditional offshore? Yeah, so here's exactly how I handle it. When I'm offshore, I even though we're at the end of... We're, we're in that late summer, right. end, end of summer period. When I get offshore, I treat it like I'm in the summertime. So I, everything that I fish in pure summer, I've got my deep diving crankbaits, my spoons, my football jigs, Carolina rigs. I got everything I need out on the deck for that. While I'm out there, that's how I'm fishing it. I'm paying attention to everything. Edge lines, what type of covers on the structure, where the bait fish are. I pay attention to absolutely everything. Gathering information. You're right, because I know nothing at this point. Okay, so we do that. And then as I start to move, like here, for example, um, last week when I was out, I was on a very late transitional lake and I had no earthly idea where the fish were because I hadn't been there since the spawn. So I started out with DD-22s and Fat Free 7s, actually the new the new gen, uh, the new gen Fat Free 7s. And DD-22s. So I scoured that 15 to 18 foot stuff and never got a bite. Then I moved up. I moved up to shallower structure. Like still, 12 to 14? Yes. 10 to 14? About, about 12 to 14. Still offshore. Okay. Now I went to deep little ends. I still had the deeper crankbaits mm-hmm. on. But then I went to fat free sixes. Then what I did was, as I started to move up, I wanted the bigger bait size because all the bait was big. I wanted the bigger bait size. I went to 17-pound fluoro to knock depth out of it. 
So then I can use the bigger profile and knock the depth out of it. Soon as I got into that six to 10 foot range, still offshore, but now now I'm connected to the shoreline. I'm on big flat ends going way off the shoreline, um, long, long tapering points off the shorelines. I started catching them. So that's when I, that's how, that's how I did it. I had to start out deep because you're, look, the water temperature is still in the upper 70s, low 80s, even though all the bait's moving. I found bait all over the place. And so it was really funky because I had bait on top. I had bait mid-range. I, dude, I, there was bait doing all kinds of stuff. I even threw topwaters out there. I only caught one on a Super Spook Junior. And um, I said, that this ain't happening. Because I know with the Super Spook Junior, if I'm throwing that around the bait and I'm not getting bit, it ain't happening. And I, and I, I caught one. And it wasn't even a big one. It was a little 12-incher. So I knew that wasn't happening. Eliminate. DD-22, Fat Free 7, not happening. Eliminate. So I started eliminating as I started going through the process. By the end of the day, I had the pattern down. Okay? Now, remember, I I spent the day fishing, Mm -hmm. figuring it out. By the time that I left the lake, all right, I had over a dozen bass in the boat and one over five and some nice ones to go with it. And... But I knew what was going on then. You know what I mean? I had dialed it in. I had it figured out. Fast forward a couple, you know, a week or so later, uh, two and a half inches of rainfall. You know, a lot of conditions changed. I went back to the lake and had to regrind it out. Because so you things... started out, you're like, hey, they got to be in that six to 10 foot range again. You're expecting things to be the exact same. You right. go an hour in, you're like, what the hell? So instead of just randomly or grinding it, you said, all right, let's start over. It's a new lake. It's a different little time Correct. of the year. So then you went back out and you started the same program again until you ran into it. Correct. And got a show out of the deal. So that's that's the that's how you do it. But but, you know, it's it's an absolute grind until you start to put pieces of the puzzle together. It's an absolute grind. But if you don't do it systematically and it's all random, you don't get, you don't get the information you need and the order you need to get it in to make sure that you're really running a pattern or you did, or did you just catch one? You know what I mean? Um, And, and that, that happens a lot where you just, you catch one. And it fools you because, you know, everybody says, oh, the bass tell you everything. Everything you need to know, the bass tell you. Your first fish tells you everything. Well, your first fish tells you something. It doesn't tell you everything. Your third or fourth fish tell you way more information than your first fish. Your first fish lets you know that, okay, we might be going in the right direction. But how many times have you gone out and caught one and then never again? Doing mm-hmm. the same stuff. Never again you did. But here's the thing. If I catch that one and don't catch any, if you're using a system, at least you know you've they're in front of you somewhere. Right. Because here's <laughs> the not. here's the biggest rule of thumb when you're bass fishing. If you fish behind them, you'll never find them. 
you can't be behind these fish because you'll never run into you'll never run into them because you're always behind them you have to you have to you have to fish where they're going and and then that's your process okay i know that these fish got to be going to this area so i have to fish to that area to find them because they'll you know be somewhere I mean? along along right. that route right that now way. right exactly now here post spawn 100% opposite post spawn i go to the spawning flats and fish my way out yeah because i'll be the closest to them then but we're talking about right now in this funky, weird, late Correct. summer, early, early, early fall transition time. Correct. This Dude, is that where you... sets it in my head so much clearer. I wish I could go back to that lake and redo my day. And you and you would probably have success because it's a small lake. Right. And I know they right. live in there. Yeah. You would have the success because <laughs> because now it's not a random I got to run here. I got to check that. I got to check that. And you're going from one part of the lake to another part of the lake to another part, back and forth, back and forth. And you're not systematically eliminating something. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because you want to get out there and catch them. You want to just get out there and start catching them. Right. And and look, that happens sometimes. You know it and I know it. Right. And those I've, are the days. Yeah. Those are days that you talk about to your buddies over beer till you know till the end of the night. Clay has an interesting question. You mentioned the bait fish everywhere when you were trying to throw the little spook and not get bit. He said, is there such a thing as a late summer shad spawn? Surface temp is 89, but I could swear the shad were spawning right at dark. Yeah, there is. If you go back to the Threadfin show, um, I think it was the Threadfin show, they, they'll spawn multiple times a year. I'd have to double check my Threadfin notes. And as you saw me trying to find a map, I'm not diving through all this stuff. Here, see here. Look, here's here it is. <laughs> yeah, that's a pile. Of, that's a pile. It's of all. Stuff. It's Boy, all. That is a vintage lamp, there, Uncle Frank. Oh, dude, I'm all about it. That's probably Not really. worth a lot on Antiques Roadshow. Yeah, well, they can have it. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> and, and so, you can do this on a 500 acre lake, a 10,000 acre lake, yeah. or a 100,000 acre lake. Yeah, you just section it off. You just section the lake off. Now, what size of section are you you talking about? Like, if okay, let's pick a a big lake, like a fifty thousand acre lake. Okay, so like a, if we're like, talking, what I'll do is I'll take the midsection of the lake. Okay, so you're taking that, the midsection this time of, of year, lake. yeah, like this a time major, of year. the first a big major creek, first part of a big major creek in the midsection of the lake. Correct. You know, there's fish there. Right. Exactly. Now, if the lake, if we got a lot of rain and the up the river section is dirty, the midsection is dirty, then I go to the section by the dam. Okay. Nat- natural lakes are easier because it's predicated mostly grass. Um, you know, mostly grass. Nat- natural structure lakes um, can be a little daunting, but but it can be done the same exact way. I just if, with a, if it's a natural if it's a natural lake without grass, more structure, then I look for an area of the lake that gives me the most of what I want to see in it, and start from there. It says I'm fishing a lake for an entire week starting next Saturday. So if you're fishing it for the entire week, then you take that system when you get on the lake instead of hey we're finally here we're gonna find the right. lake and you spend a little bit of time building that foundation on that first day working out to in figuring out where everything is and then 
by day two, three, four. You're basic. It's basically a tournament, kind of a tournament yeah. pattern that you hear the the lead right. and MLF guys talk about a lot. But it also is very beneficial just as far as having success fun fishing. Yeah, I mean the reality of it is, is if it's a lake you've never been on before, use the strategy. Yeah. that we're talking about if it's a lake that you've been on before you can go back to in your old records and go hey i was there you know august 25th uh four years ago and we caught them over here uh, that's a pretty good guideline go back to where you caught them the same time of year you know previously and start over there mm-hmm. if you don't catch them there then you got to employ this system because a lot of times what happens is, and and what cracks me up a lot is that fish fish will use the same structural elements time and time again, but they don't always use them the exact same time, if that makes sense. Does that system work on, on tidal fisheries or is that a different animal? Tidal fisheries is weird because depending on which tidal fishery you're in, um, I have found that the fish are rarely super, super deep anyway, um, because everything's predicated on tide. I'm going to take an exception. I'm going to say two things. The Hudson River, the Potomac, um, they'll winter in the deep creek mounts. Different, different time of year. They'll, they'll literally travel miles to winter in deep creek mounts because it protects them from a lot of the current. Um, so that's the only difference. Now the tidal river systems will work out the same, but you're going to be fishing it at a shallower level because I have not experienced too many times in tidal situations, um, except winter where the fish are very deep. That's good stuff. So that the last 20 minutes and that's kind of just, that's how you break down. I wish I had, uh. I wish I'd had that last week. I mean, but I know it. I feel like everyone knows. Like I, I know that, right? I've break down a lot of new fisheries on the opens for the last three years. There's Absolutely, some success too. But you know, here's what here's what I did. I got out on the lake. I was like, okay, I see the timber. Ooh, there's some some good grass here. I said I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have the system down. So I was like, oh, we'll start throwing some a top water around some of this wood where it meets the grass. And then I was like, maybe I should flip the wood. And then I was like, oh, it looks like there's a contour. Oh, there's a brush pile out here. So then I rigged a big worm and threw it on the brush pile. And then I was like, well, maybe they're on point. So then I went and ran some points. Well, now I'm three hours into the day and haven't had a bite. And I've been all over this lake and I've gone shallow to mid to deep to mid to shallow. And then I got, but here's the thing. I got a bite. I got a really good bite, a big bite. I missed it, but I, it, I knew it was a big bass, but I, it was on, it was in 12 and a half foot of water on standing timber well then i fished a bunch of standing timber but what didn't occur to me was i did not pinpoint that location of what was special about that and i went back afterwards and it was on a little point it was on a little deal so i should have instead of just kept fishing the 500 other pieces of timber that were down this straight bank i should have noted that depth i should have noted it's adjacent to deep water that there was a, a little bay behind it and then gone around the lake to try to find something else and maybe then have you could right because then you would have gradually narrowed it down correct yeah. 
Correct. And see, so you would have known that if you paid attention to the standing Do you think there, are, there is such a thing as – this is an interesting topic, Frank. Do you think there is such a thing as a random bite? You yes. have some guys who say random, but some guys say there is a reason for every bite that you get. Yeah, there's a reason. The fish was hungry and he ate it or you aggravated him and he bit it. Yeah, I, there's definitely such thing as a random bite. I've had it happen a million times. Um, where you, you're doing something and you get bit and you can't duplicate it anywhere else on earth. It's just, you threw in front of a fish. You know what I mean? You just threw in front of a fish. Kelly, the man what? young says, what about a small lake where the fish are everywhere? I, that sounds like a fantastic lake, but. Um, right. But that's, yeah, but, think, but it, does he mean the bait fish are everywhere or the bass are everywhere? Where it seems like bass are scattered out. Are you? That's where you kind of have. That's where you're you're yeah, kind of but, figuring out a pattern for the better fish and the more correct, consistent fish. Correct. When I when I'm on we have a couple of little fish factories here. Mm-hmm. And you That's can what go, this lake was. This was and, a little I mean it was little. And you can go out and you can catch a lot of fish. You're catching a lot of pound and a half, two pounders. Th- those lakes I go out to try to figure out how to catch the three pounders and better. And so I'm not interested in all the little ones. I, I'm only focused on catching bigger ones. And I have a lot of success doing that on some of these lakes um, because I, I don't get caught in a trap because as you can pattern smaller bass, you can pattern bigger bass. And the patterns might be similar. Your bait choices might be different or the patterns can be completely different where the, ba- the bigger bass are doing you know, maybe they're offshore on inside swings and the smaller bass are on every other offshore cover. You know what I mean? So you have to dial that down. Uh, question, how long will you stay on one spot? Or I just say an area. How long will you stay in an area breaking down the lake? Okay. Or... When, I, when I'm hunting, I'm moving constantly. I don't slow down. I, I don't fish Kevin Van Dam speed anyway. But what I'm saying is if I'm working a structural element, I'm continually working it. I'm, I'm literally, if you did a high, you know, the fast speed film, you know, where everything speeds up, you, you would literally see my boat going all the way around that structure nonstop the whole time. Once I start getting bit, then I'm starting to analyze. Then I slow way down. Then I start looking. I want to see, was it rock? Was it a bottom transition? Was it a steeper break? Was it a little hump? What what was it? What was over there? Did a ch- secondary channel intersect there? I start analyzing all that because now I, I'm getting information. So the more information I'm getting, then I start to slow down and pay attention to more things. That's also how you develop a pattern to catch bigger bass. Mm-hmm. Did the big bass want the bait? casting shallow bringing it out deep or did the big bass want me shallow casting deep and bringing it up the ridge you know what i mean that's that's how you start to break down better class of fish so are you dropping a waypoint you haven't been biting them you're trying to contact them you get a quality bite are you immediately going and dropping a waypoint and then sitting sitting down and zooming that map out and saying what is unique about this what is this just so you yeah. know exactly where it was and then you're analyzing it or are you waiting a couple bites before you do that um i, I always when i catch a good one i, I hit a waypoint immediately 
Okay. Because now I want to see what's going on down there. Not so you can make that exact cast again and know exactly where it is, but so you can could visually. Be. It could be, but but also so you can visually see where you are in relation to everything else and what's right. special about that dot. Now remember, if you waypoint a fish bite, I got him. He's big. Hit the waypoint. Fight the fish in. That's a boat position. That's not the structural element where you caught the bass. Yeah. So then what I do is I'll make a couple more casts just to see if I, if there's a school of fish there, or if there's more than one, make a couple more casts. Once I'm done with that little area where that waypoint is, then I take the casting angle that I made and I troll a motor, my boat over it. And then when I get to the, whatever the fish was on, I hit another waypoint right on top of the structure. Okay. Then I label the first waypoint boat position and I'll put a flag on it instead of an X. I'll put a flag on it. So I know the X is structure and I'll label what it is. Is it rock? Is it wood? Is it a break? Whatever it is. And the depth this way, when I look at my GPS at the end of my practice time, I can start to say, Oh, look at this. Every fish I caught, 16 feet, 16 feet, 16 feet. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and then and then you can start to, it's really easy to see. See, when I was younger, we didn't have all this mapping crap and everything else. Um, our GPSs were a blank gray screen. It was just gray with an outline of a lake on it. It was gray. And so what I carry paper maps with me all the time. And then I would take my paper maps and at the end of the day, they would look like this. I would have everything marked that I did. Then everywhere I caught a fish, I would have on it. Then when I get back to the hotel room, I open the map up and I go, oh, my God, that's so obvious. You know what I mean? That's Once map I, study. Right. That's map study. Oh, my gosh, is it obvious? I think a lot of people, what happens with our GPS is we get really complacent. Oh, the map's in the GPS. I know what's going on. Yeah, but there's nothing that shows you the picture, like opening it up, opening the map up and looking at it. And then you see a broader picture of where you've been, what you've done and everything. I used to do that. I had three to four maps of every lake I've ever been on. I have boxes of maps. And so when I would catch fish, I would mark on the map where I caught them. And then you can sit back and go, holy crap. I, I was on a lake. Um, what, what lake is by? I think it's Clemson. Hartwell? Might have been Hartwell. Clemson's on Hartwell. I think okay. it's up to Seneca or something. Okay, so it was, Clem, it was Hartwell. So I was on Hartwell one time. And... Struggling, dude. Struggling, dying, like crap. I hate this lake. Um, <laughs> and I start. I started catching them. Finally, I started having some success catching fish. So I had caught. Uh, I actually started catching quite a few, and I had marked them on my paper map. Okay, where I was catching them. And I had one more day to practice and I was sitting there going, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't figure it out. I can't catch a fish anywhere else. I only caught a fish in these couple of places. I, what, what the hell? 
And I opened the map up and I looked at the places I caught the fish and I went, oh my God, that looks the same. That looks the same. That looks the same. And I started running over there and I started catching them. And if I didn't open up that map and actually look at the big picture, I, I looked on my GPS and just saw my little deal. Little box. I wouldn't have, I would have struggled because Dude, I, I wouldn't have had enough fish. Gold, Frank. Oh yeah, that's dude, where the I'm advantage dumb. is now. Especially if you're a tournament fisherman, is that that would give you an advantage because no, I'm it's, not doing that. I don't know anyone else who's doing that. None of the guys I room with are doing that. But I dude, understand it's the difference between advantage. like you. Okay, you start reading an online book, right? You have mm-hmm. no idea where you are in that book. If you're, you know, once you get into it, how much more? But if you're holding that book in your hands, you know. Yeah. How you much see. you have left? When something's about to happen, we're getting down towards the end. It's just a totally different feel. It is. It absolutely. And is. there's also no better feeling, no better feeling in the world, because it. I mean, it, it. It has happened not very as often as I'd like. That's what the best in the world are. As being on a place you haven't been to before, or that you you haven't caught them in areas before, and it's like early on in the day. And you look at it and you go, I will catch one there. And you drive there and you've never been there before and no one else is there and you catch one. And then you sit down and you look at it again and it's a mile or two away and you say, and I will catch one there. And then you start going, I'm going to catch him on all that. That's figuring out that pattern. That's like the most satisfying. That's like the most satisfying thing to me in, in the bass fishing is going, I got it. I got couldn't it. Agree. I, know I couldn't I'm agree. get the bite. I couldn't agree more. It's the best to me. That's the that's winning the game. Yeah, I, well, I mean, you, I, I can't. I don't. I don't know if that's the right word, but you, I always get this kind of smug feeling, like you see other guys running past, and they're like, they don't know where they're going. Guess what? I know where I'm going. Like I did it. Yeah. I did it in the at a table rock on docks. Right. I've done it on table rock and docks, and and it was kind of random and random, and I got a bite, and then I figured out. How to feel? What's 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 up with this dock here? And I figured it, and I said, "Well, this dock is positioned the same, and it's an isolated dock in this kind of portion of the creek mouth." So I go to another one, good one. I said, "Well, there's another one here," and I go to another one, good one. And I'm like, "Dude, I know 15 docks right now, and I've never been in this section of the lake." And it was just bing, 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 bing. It's the greatest feeling on earth. It I did is. it on uh, Lake of the uh, Ozarks too, with with rock transition banks. Not yeah, that, you know, there funny. were docks there that were getting in the way, but it was like, oh my gosh, I can drive in any, I can drive in any pocket and I can look and say, I'm going to get bit there and there, but it's, you have to use that system to get there to where you find it and then take advantage right. of it. But that 100%. paper map would help so much more. Yeah, dude, I'm telling you, I got away from the paper maps, um, towards the end of Bassmasters, um, because I started relying on the GPS so heavily and then. I said, I can't, I can't do this. I got to get, I got to get some paper maps out so I can sit in my room at night and look at them. Um, that, that's, the, that was like the biggest thing for me in my whole Bassmaster career was those paper maps because I'd rig my tackle immediately when I got off the lake. I'd go grab something to eat. I'd get back to my room, clean up, grab the paper maps, open them up and start going over everything I did during the day. and it was a it was a system even off the water for me and that's how that's how you know that's how i became very proficient offshore actually um if it wasn't for the paper maps my offshore game would be very weak today 
but I studied so hard every night looking at maps, like dying over maps. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Just studying them and seeing what's going on. And then, then once you start seeing where you're getting bitten, you could start, you recognize the similarities in it in a nanosecond. Like I can, I can rip through a map in two seconds flat and know exactly where to go. That's just practice repetition. Yeah, There's yeah. certain things that look the same on other maps that are always going to be bass magnets, regardless of where you are. Right, right. What about if you're on a natural glacial lake, though? A lot of those stuff, a lot of those things up north that are shallow for the most part, right? Do you still yeah. break it down the same way, or is oh, a hundred percent. Okay. hundred percent. So when you're talking about natural glacier lakes, most of the time you're up north, most of them have grass in them. The grass becomes the important component. Obviously structure first, grass second. But now you're talking about what type of vegetation. Is there rock at the end of the vegetation? Is there a groove at the end of the vegetation now you're now what you're looking for is why were the bass in this section versus that section when the grass is the same something was different was the bottom composition different was the depth different you know what i mean so now you you, you're analyzing it's just you're analyzing different Mm -hmm. stuff but it's the same approach i look at hey i got bit in this stretch of grass why so then I side scan, oh, look at there's big boulders, or holy crap, that's just a harder bottom, or that's sand. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you can you can differentiate that way. You know, now the one thing you gotta remember in a lot of natural lakes is from year to year, the sometimes the grass changes. Um, if you get a big freeze, ice over, scrapes the lake where grass used to be good is now not good and other places have grass now. So the grass changes from time to time. So you can't get fooled into saying this is the best grass bed on the lake. I can catch fish here every year because you might go back there and it's not the same. I've had that happen a dozen times. Always. That's that's good stuff. Uh, The thing no one wants to talk about is you will have days that you just don't catch crap. You're on a fishery. There's nothing insane. Like it's not blown Mm. out. There's no crazy weather deal. You know, there's fish in the fishery and you go out and use zero. You blank. You You just have a horrible day. How, how do you break that down and learn from that day? Is it, do you forget about it? Do you go back and, and look at it and say, what did I did wrong? What could I have done differently? Well, I don't, I don't ever say what on a bad day. Yeah, I don't say, what did I do wrong? I said, what did I do today? Okay. Okay. And then I look at the depth ranges I covered, my bait choices that I covered, the section of the lake that I covered. You're going to open up the map and kind of look at where you fished? Absolutely. Where you didn't fish? Right. Because that's going to tell you stuff. So, so, like, there's there's lakes across this country that I know emphatically that sections of that lake fish better than other sections and that changes that section of the lake that's fishing good changes i know for a fact if you're not in the section of the lake that's doing it you are not catching them you are just not catching them and so you have to look at where you've been so a day where i don't catch anything here i was on dude i was on lake erie one day the tournament, the last tournament that I fished, the last Bassmaster event that I fished, I took third in the tournament. 
I, w- I went out on the lake and for two days never caught a bass. Wow. Okay. I see. I, 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 I shouldn't take that. I should take that back. I caught three bass. Okay. And I said, what the hell is going in? So I said, okay, this, this usual, usual is not doing what it's supposed to do. The only thing I'm going to do now is I'm going to a section of the lake that I've never put my boat before. So I picked a section of the lake out that I honest to God have never driven on. And I went to that section and I found the mother load because I concentrated just in that section. It wasn't a very popular section of the lake. And I, dude, I, I, that, that place was manna from heaven for me for a couple of years, actually. But, but that's what, that's sometimes that's what has to happen. You have to go, nothing I'm doing is working. No places I've been is giving me what I need to have. So I have to pick a different place and don't be afraid to do it. I live on Lake Erie and the yeah. places that I fished where I didn't catch any, I fished my entire life. So instead of getting all freaked out about it, I went to a different place that I'd never been before and re-employed my system to it. Uh, I remember, I think Jason Christie said this about Grand Lake. He's like, if, I, if you're not getting bit, you need to do something different because there's always a bite happening somewhere on absolutely Absolutely. do you believe that on any fishery with a with a quality population of fish like i said barring an act of god uh Mm -hmm. weather deal there is always a bite happening somewhere on that lake 100 percent. i guarantee it i tell my son all the time i said someone on this lake right now we're struggling our brains out. Someone on this lake right now is going, isn't this the greatest fishery on earth? <laughs> <laughs> it happens on every single lake, dude. And that's every hard to remember lake. because how easy is it? And I've, I I fell into this trap last week. I looked at my buddy and I said, I don't think they're going. And he's like, well, it is kind of a tough time of the year. We were just kind of exploring. It's yeah. real easy to make excuses and say they're not biting. Oh, dude, that's my, that's my least... My least favorite excuse on earth. Oh, it was tough. They just weren't biting. No, you weren't close. That's the problem. You weren't close to what's going on. And when I struggle on a lake, I know in the back of my head, there's something going down and I'm missing it. And it makes me work even harder and put in even longer practice days. Because like, like, here's the thing. When I fish BASS, I, I never made plans intentionally to say hey dude after practice let's all get together and go eat yeah what time you want to meet oh 6 30 i'll be like no i'll call you when i get off the lake because i might not get off the lake until i can't see a foot you know what i mean because you're I'm going a- with something that you found that you want to expand on dark and you to don't dark. have to say oh i gotta get off well other times you're off the water at four right Exactly. I, I, dark to dark. I got to figure it out. And, yeah. you know, you know, in bass, well, in the elites, you had two, two and a half days. You mm-hmm. got to figure it out. And and so it's like I have to get as much time in as I can. And if I start figuring something out, I'm not getting off that lake until I can't see another foot. 
because I have to find as much of it as I can to make sure it's a reality. And then the next morning, I'm already dialed into what I got to look for. And the second day of practice is, is gold. You know what I mean? Because I've already narrowed it down. Now it's gold. Now I'm going to find as much of it as I can. Another dark to dark day. And then the third day, we got a half a day of practice. Half the time, I never even went out on the third day unless I needed it. Um, if I was super dialed into a pattern, I didn't have to go out on the third day to look for more because I could do that on the tournament day. Um, so I would take that third day to rig all my stuff, make sure everything was perfectly in order. So I didn't have one thing to worry about except for launching the boat. I like it. Clay says his wife needed to hear that speech about the dark to dark and you're never sure when you're going to get off the water. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I wrote a, I wrote a couple things down. We started the show as we, as we wrap up the show, we started the show more of a, uh, objective system, like a mechanical way to, to break mm-hmm. it down. But what's interesting is once you got the basics out of the way, it turned more into kind of a, a brainy show, in my opinion, as far as being intuitive and taking uh, small cues and, and using your experience and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and being observant. Oh, uh, and, and that's that can be the difference. So, I, I, you know, I wanted to, I wanted you to talk about an end-all, be-all system so you could never miss the fish and you would run into them and catch them. But I thought it's interesting that it actually is a, is a combination of, of hard, you know, kind of this is a system to do it, but a lot of the execution has to do with the individual angler, the effort they put into it, the time on the water that they've put into it, and how they interpret the results they are or are not getting, which is right. cool, which is what makes us all different, which is why we don't all start on the same spot, which is why we don't all do the same right. thing, which is why in a 300-boat team tournament, there's 200 guys that think they're starting on their 1A spot. Right. Absolutely. It's it's crazy. It's I I make it technical, okay? I, I make it technical, and I, and I make it – I have – you know, I don't want to say rules, but I have certain things that I follow. Um, it works. It flat out works. Um, I will never, and and that phrase, if you fish behind them, you'll never find them. That's not even my phrase. I heard that my first year on the elites. I forget, I forget which angler said that to me. Um, and I never forgot that. And so, I spend most of my time structure fishing and I can assure you that that's a fact. If you don't have everything dialed in at the right depth, the right of everything, you're never going to come in contact with those fish. Mm -hmm. The structure fishing that I do, even I even structure fish during the spawn and in the spring. Because I learned a valuable lesson when I was a kid fishing Jerry Ryan's tournament trail on Kerr Reservoir. The bass were moving into spawn or to their spawning areas, okay? And I missed it. My buddy and I were, cl- were hammering them on rattle baits on long gravel points. Hammering them. Big, giant females. Never taking into consideration these fish were transitioning to their spawning areas. Mm-hmm. The tournament time came around and we couldn't buy a bite. And we never 
moved with down fish. We just figured we have to run more of these gravel points because we're not running into they them there anymore. They were a couple hundred yards up on the bank doing <sighs> their thing. They were doing their thing. It, yeah. And so here, so guys were like, oh, we caught them in the backs of uh, pockets. And we're like, oh, the backs of pockets. How stupid are we? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it wasn't the backs of pockets, just any pocket, which I learned later. Packs of pockets with had points out in front of them where you were smoking them on the rattle baits in practice. And, <laughs> and defined little creek channels that ran into those pockets. That's when I started employing structure fishing to my springtime fishing. And my springtime fishing was no longer a weakness. It became a strength. That was the Lay Lake Classic. That is the case of point in the Lay Lake Classic. Everyone was fishing in the takeoff where it was. You had, I think, Crete and all these yep. guys that were fishing there and they were hammering them. And as the event progressed, it was Takahiro and Kevin, mainly Kevin, underneath the bridge in the back with the in shallow the stumps where the fish went back to spawn. Right. So all those guys were fishing, and Kevin let them have that stuff. And as the classic went on, his bike got stronger because their fish were leaving and funneling right into his lap, and he Absolutely. massacred them. It's Absolutely. the difference. You You mentioned that. It's it's the difference of a guy saying, I think my bite is going away or I think the fish are yep. coming to me. Two of the most commonly phrased things during transitional periods that you hear anglers say. Right. And if you're losing the bite, you're behind them. That's good that, stuff. That's uh, we haven't talked about, we always like to take a, a gander at, uh, at lure net. But yeah. I keep remember the, I keep the, DIY, the DIY bundles um, doing great. Get your hands on them, you painters out there that want to paint some original blanks. Um, <clears throat> phenomenal. Just phenomenal. I got a lot of feedback about the drift socks, too. Kind of the yeah, we got we, with the drift sock. I yeah, think. we get, have Did you get a to, lot of DMs about that? Tons. We have to. We're going to do a drift sock show. Um, I actually even have some illustrations of the proper employment of said drift sock. But we, got it. we have to do the drift sock show. I forgot all about that or we could have done that today i was almost ready for it well maybe we can uh we can do that in their future because the next two shows will be uh tape shows i will try to do a premiere on both of them so you guys can have the chat going on the side uh but we're rattling around some ideas i'm headed up to uh lacrosse wisconsin mississippi river right after the elite series event next week there's a media event uh and then i head from there to chesapeake bay which I will probably have to use this system that we talked about today. <laughs> I'm glad someone asked the title. Never been there, don't know anything about it, just with everything that's been going on with BTL and life and kind of being a little bit out of it in the opens points this year. You know, I haven't haven't probably done my due diligence on that. I have no idea what to expect. I'm really yeah. hoping I can dink and dunk there. I think you should be able to. Who knows? You'll find out. I will find out, but I will use a system. It won't be random. I'm going to start, and I'm going to systematically do it. I'm going to mark it. I might try to get a paper map of the area based on that. Yeah, dude, I'm telling you, that's going to help you out like you don't even know. That would be fantastic. Well, like I said, today is something that not a lot of people like to talk about, sucking. But but it happens to everybody. It happens more than we'd (laughs) like to admit, I feel like, even. More than I want to admit. This has been day four, number 82. 82. 
with the man Frank Scalish. We'll see you guys next week.